Bibles. I uh, had a little bit of an accident with my finger this morning. I already got blood all over Joseph. So if you see me slinging blood up here, just kind of tell me. So I can kind of clean that up a little bit. If I pass out, just drag me in the corner. Kendrick or Scott can come up here and finish. Uh, should be okay, I hope. First Timothy 3. Uh, it's been three weeks since we gathered like this on Sunday. Uh, partly that allowed uh, me, Scott, and Kendrick to go on a leadership retreat to just get along, grow deep in our relationship with each other, spend some time in the Word, spend some time in prayer, and uh, get some clarity on some decisions going forward in 2015. And uh, we ask you to pray for us. We thank you for praying for us. It was a fantastic two days of just doing those things as well as, you know, eating a lot of meat and chili and burning a lot of stuff and uh, hanging out and having fun. Um, and we appreciate that. We got some clarity on some things going forward. Um, first, we, we won't be meeting weekly in January. We've kind of been kicking that around. That was kind of the plan for, from way back. And uh, we've been talking the last six weeks about putting that off. And so we're going to postpone that to possibly Easter or, or later. We're just waiting for the Spirit to, to guide us and show us. Um, the reason is uh, we, we get Sunday mornings. In our culture, this, this is the easy part. Uh, we know how to gather and worship corporately, but what we're, what we're striving to be is that church that, that lives as a church every day, Monday through Saturday, or I guess Sunday afternoon through Saturday. Um, and so we want to see more, more, more of us getting that, more of us doing that, uh, more disciple-making fruit coming from that, uh, more, more, becoming more of a family uh, of missionary servants on mission together for the sake of the city. And so uh, we don't want to add weekly Sunday gatherings to our plate while we're still trying to figure out how to be the church every day, so we're going to postpone. Uh, what we want to do is get to a point where everybody in our core group can define what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, uh, define how we live intentionally to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make disciples, can define how we're doing that, pursuing that intentionally in different areas of our life. And so uh, what we want to do is, is, is really kind of slow down and let's let's get let's go deep on this. Let's get deep on this. Let's let's really spell this out. And make sure everybody gets what we're doing and how we're doing it. So uh, part of that, the second thing that uh, we felt God leading us to do is to to have a uh, maybe the first I don't know if it'll be annual, but the first uh, weekend retreat as the Crossing Church. So February twenty eighth, uh, February twenty seventh through March the first. Uh, we're going to pull away as a core group at Seeker Springs and spend Friday uh, evening through Saturday, Sunday afternoon uh, just together as a family at Seeker Springs and do some intensive training, do some intensive relationship building stuff, uh, sleep on bunk beds for a couple nights, uh, have a lot of fun, uh, but also learn a lot about who we are, what we're doing, and how we can be trained and equipped to be missionaries to the city of Monroe. Uh, so we want you, we're telling you three months in advance, so that you can treat this as you would uh, a weekend trip to Las Vegas or a weekend trip to New Orleans, where you've got plane reservations, you've got hotel reservations. There's nothing keeping you from this trip, unless you're in the hospital or somebody dies, okay? So we want you to have that kind of priority about this weekend retreat, to see it as essential to who we are as a church, essential to our calling at the, the Crossing Church in the city of Monroe, Hopefully it's far enough out that you don't already have anything on your, your schedule uh, or maybe something that can, can be moved. Um, we'll have more details about that coming forward, but uh, block off this weekend with that kind of priority. We think it's important enough to plan it three months in advance so you can be there to set aside a, a significant chunk of money to make this happen so that meals are provided, nobody's cooking, 
childcare is provided so parents can be fully engaged in the training times. And uh, we, we can really get trained and equipped that weekend in a very intensive way. Um, so that's uh, what's coming up. Weekly gatherings postponed. Weekend retreat February 27th through March 1st. We're also in January, even though we're not gathering weekly, we're going to begin age-specific teaching for the kids during this time. Something we've been talking about, we want to go ahead and get that started. Uh, each missional community will take a Sunday, we'll rotate, just like we're doing right now with the building, uh, preparing the building for Sunday gathering. Uh, each MC will rotate, taking responsibility for teaching the kids during the sermon time. Uh, we'll have a nursery for the youngest ones, you know, birth through two. We'll have a class for ages uh, three through kindergarten. Uh, our perspective is, if you can sit through first grade, you can sit through a sermon. It'll only be during the sermon time. Uh, for the kids who are in the sermon time that are older, like first grade through fifth grade, sixth grade, um, we'll have some kind of worship guide that will engage them on their level during this teaching time that will help you out as parents. We'll kind of teach you how to use that to, to help equip them as a disciple of Christ. And uh, so that's coming. More information is coming on that through our missional communities. Most of you know our next Sunday gathering will be December the 7th. We'll get together uh, as a crossing church in Huntsville, Alabama at Summit, uh, Community Cro- uh, Summit Crossing Community Church. Uh, so we hope you can come. They're inviting as many of our core group to come as possible. They're putting us up in host homes. As far as I know, meals won't be provided, so you need to take care of that. Uh, but go over on Saturday afternoon, make a weekend of it. Go over on Friday, get a hotel Friday night, whatever you want to do. Uh, we'll be in their worship gatherings on Sunday morning. They will call all of us forward, and they will recognize us as missionaries commissioned and sent to the city of Monroe to make disciples of Jesus Christ. It'll be uh, signifying their, not just their recognition of us along those lines, but also their commitment, investment in us as they give us a large check and uh, are making a three-year financial commitment to the Crossing Church to, to see this happen in the city of Monroe. And so uh, be there if you can. If, in fact, if you can be there, if you're planning on going and you hadn't already told me or, or, or Scott or Kendrick, tell us today because we need to give them a number soon. They're scrambling to get host homes together. Uh, tell us today if you plan on going, and uh, we can always cancel a host home, all right? But it might be hard to find one at the last second if all of a sudden you decide you can go. So if you're going or you think you're going, tell us so that they can have enough homes to put all of us up. All right, that's not even the sermon. So uh, let's ask for God's help and get into this teaching on church leadership. God, we are so grateful for your grace and mercy that you put us together as a crossing church. Lord, we so desire to be the people you've creating calls to be. We're thankful for your spirit, your word working in us that we, we know we're going to get there. You, you promise that this work you began in us, you will complete it. You're, you're conforming us to the image of Christ. You're chipping away the old. You're, you're building up the new man. And, and Father, you're helping us mature in Christ. And we're thankful for that. We want to see more of that in us. We want to grow and mature. And so use this time in your word right now as we understand church leadership. Use this to grow and mature us in Christ, to grow us as a church body. Uh, not to the praise of any man or any church, but to the praise of King Jesus alone. Uh, come, Holy Spirit, and do the work that only you can do. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the, the last sermon in our series on convictions. We began by giving you our fundamental conviction as a crossing church. No matter what we do, no matter how we do it, what we are after is disciple-making and gospel transformation. And so we think all these convictions help us accomplish that, and we want to do whatever it takes to help accomplish that, And we don't want to do anything that hinders us from making disciples and seeing gospel transformation. So the conviction about the Bible, what we believe about the Bible, what we believe about Scripture, we think is something that helps us accomplish disciple-making and gospel transformation. So we spend a Sunday walking through what we believe. 
Uh, we spend a Sunday walking through why we gather on Sundays and what we do when we gather, because we think that this helps produce disciples and see that the gospel changes. We spend a Sunday looking at what we do when we scatter into missional communities and what we do when we scatter into um, uh, DNA groups and how, how we do that. And, and by the way, that's, that's part of why we're holding off on Sunday morning weekly gatherings, because we want to see more of us sharing life in missional community outside of a weekly meeting. We want to see more of us engaged in DNA groups, because in DNA groups, men with men, women with women, three or four in a group, that's where you're really going to go deep in the Word together. That's where you're really going to see significant gospel transformation. And so if, if we're not plugged into DNA groups, we're not doing that with intentionality, then we're missing a, an avenue that God intends to see the gospel changes through. Where we're, we're iron sharpening iron, rubbing shoulders with men and women of God who can hold us accountable and call us to believe the gospel. And so um, that's part of the reason why we're holding off on Sunday gatherings. So we see more of that. The church living scattered in the city of Monroe. Uh, then we spent a Sunday three weeks ago on church membership. Uh, what does it mean to be a covenantal member of the Crossing Church? We have copies of that in the hallway back there. Uh, that's not the final copy, so you don't need to sign that. Uh, we have a brother in our church who likes to find typos, and he found some. And so we're going to make corrections on those typos. We're also going to add uh, a number that uh, adds a, a section on the one another's of, of the New Testament. We think that's important enough that that needs to be a whole other number. And so uh, we'll get you the final copy soon, and we'll share with you when we're going to ask you to begin. If you, if you feel called to be a part of the crossing and, and sign a, a covenant with us, uh, not signifying anything contractually, it's not signifying anything legally, it's just signifying your commitment, like you're in. This is... This is this is what I am bringing to the Crossing Church. This is not what I'm looking to get out of the Crossing Church, but this piece of paper says, this is what I'm bringing to the table. This is my commitment to this church, to see uh, this church be healthy and impact the city of Monroe. Uh, just like in marriages, right? No, no married couple that I know sits around and pulls out their wedding license and says, oh yeah, we signed this piece of paper, we're married. You know, let's, let's remember this piece of paper. That's not the intention of the church covenant, for us to pull it out and look at it. But it's just us saying we're all in. And, and this is what we're committing, the kind of relationship we're committing to be a part of in the Crossing Church. And so uh, we spent a Sunday looking at that three weeks ago. And today we look at leadership. Uh, so that is some of the members of the Crossing Church who signed the same covenant that everyone else signs, who's held accountable in the same way some of those members God raises up as leaders of this local church. Uh, God places them in that role. In the New Testament, they're called elders. They're also called shepherds, pastors, bishops, overseers. Uh, we prefer the term elders or pastors. Uh, bishops, that's just kind of weird. Uh, some of you may be thinking, really? A sermon on elders? A sermon on church leadership? Do, do you know what I'm going through? Do you know what's heavy on my heart? Do you know what I'm facing this week? You know, it might be a lot of tension uh, because you're getting together with your family. And families typically have a lot of tension in them when they get together in the holidays. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're facing. But, but think about it like this. Um, part of your new identity in Jesus Christ is that you're part of this family called the local church. And what God intends for you, partly in the local church, is to be ministered, to be loved, to be helped, to be um, uh, walking through life, bearing the burdens of your brothers and sisters through these things that are weighing heavy on your heart. If the local church is healthy... If this is a place of edification, encouragement, like, like you look forward to coming in this building on Sundays and worshiping with us. You look forward to going to somebody's house for a missional community family meal and sharing life with them. You look 
forward to getting together with your brothers and sisters because you know you're going to be encouraged and helped. If this is healthy, it's going to have healthy leadership. How many of us in this room, don't raise your hand, how many of us in this room have been hurt by church leadership in the past? How many of us in this room have been scarred by church leadership in the past? A lot of us, right? Um, Unhealthy church leadership breeds an unhealthy church, and you're not helped. You're you're not looking forward to this time. It's a time of anxiety. It's a time of tension. It's a time where you don't have brothers and sisters that you can walk through life with. So, to have this healthy body of believers that makes much of Jesus Christ in the city of Monroe, we have to have healthy church leaders, right? To be equipping, to be pouring into, to be teaching, to be training. And and so it it matters to every single one of us. Uh, Most of all, to accomplish the mission that Jesus has left us with, right? Did you know, or, or don't know, I don't know your church background. I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear elder. Uh, but when I began pastoring, I had no concept of elders. Elder meant an old person, right? Uh, plurality of elders in a church, no idea what that was. You know, you have a pastor, you have deacons. That's all that my background kind of taught me. Uh, it didn't take me long to walk through the pastor where I began to say, you know what? It would be awesome if I had some other dudes walking with me through this. Uh, the same calling, the same qualifications, the same everything to help shoulder this load and steer this church forward. So when God began dealing with me about planting a church, that's one of my non-negotiables. Like, I've got to have some guys. We've got to be brand, a band of brothers. We've got to be walking through this together. And God graciously has put me, Scott and Kendrick, as that band of brothers. Um, very, very thankful for that. There, were, there have been some other guys who could have been a part of this from the beginning that, that we were talking to and having a conversation with, and they were praying about it, thinking about it, but God didn't lead them to be a part of this. And so when the smoke cleared and we got this thing going, it was the three of us. And we're, and we're moving forward to help start this work in the city of Monroe. And, and we've been uh, meeting for a little bit over a year now in this functional role of elders. Okay, officially we're not elders yet. I've kind of mentioned that. I'm going to talk more about that later. But we've been in this functional role of leadership, this functional role of elders, uh, meeting as elders, praying for you, seeing you as the flock, um, asking God to lead us by his spirit on how to guide this church and lead this church. And uh, I'll just say, man, the three of us, it's been awesome. Like, our relationship with each other just continues to grow and develop. Our love for each other continues to grow and develop. Uh, I can genuinely call these my brothers. Um, I have a relationship with them that I don't, I don't have with any other guys on the face of the earth. Um, we, the, the biggest frustration we have is not with each other. The biggest frustration that we have is that we don't get to spend more time together. Um, that uh, we got about an hour a week at the Waffle House, hour and a half every Thursday morning at the Waffle House. A couple times a month we get together for two or three hours uh, on a weeknight. Uh, we have about 10,000 text messages and emails, um, some of them serious, some of them not. And, um, and, and we, we look forward to being able to do this more together. There's a, there's a, in fact, what we're having to, to talk about now is there's a, a bond between us that's growing so deep that we've got to be on guard that we, we let other guys in. Because we know God's going to raise up more guys to help lead this church and raise up elders in the future. And we don't want to have such a, a bond that we can't let those guys be a part of it. So we're already talking about how we can be on guard uh, against that. We are an elder-led church led by a plurality of elders, which means for however many elders we have, we all have equal voice and equal vote. Okay, Our roles are different, certainly, and those will continue to be developed as we move forward. But there's no difference in how much weight we bring to the discussion. 
So this is not a, a church where Jared is a senior pastor and Scott and Kendrick are the associate pastors or, or anything like that. Uh, this is not a, a model um, that, that we're trying to pursue. I've, I've been uh, introduced by some of you. I've heard some of you introduce me to other people as the lead guy, the lead teaching guy. Let me just make it easy for you. If you introduce me to somebody new, I'm one of the elders. Okay? I'm just one of the elders. Scott's one of the elders. Kendrick's one of the elders. We just ordered business cards. I should have put that on there. One of the elders. Because that's, that's how we want to see this. That, that the three of us are moving forward as one, helping lead this church. Uh, not at all like the Trinity, so don't, don't make any analogies there. But the three of us are together. <laughs> Who's the Holy Spirit? Who's Jesus? Uh, that's not it at all. Um, so just because I've been through the church planner school, through Summit Crossing, or just because I've been a pastor before, that doesn't mean I've got more say than these guys. I don't. And we push back against each other, and we hold each other accountable, and we love each other, and, and uh, we want it to be so healthy and so uh, just a beautiful picture of what God intended for the church that as God raises up other men in our church, they're like, man, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of those guys because they're growing together in Jesus, and they're growing in their love of Jesus and, um, and so we're looking forward to that. I want to spend some time walking through primarily three biblical passages that speak about who elders are, what elders do. Let me go ahead and get this on the table. Um, elders biblically are men. It's very clear to us in the New Testament. Elders are men. This is a theologically a position called complementarianism. Uh, this is not a question of superiority or inferiority. This is not a question of who's smarter, who works harder. Uh, this is a position of role and function, and we believe the Bible is very clear. God created men to serve in the role and function of leader in the home and in the church. It's, it's very, very clear to us in Scripture. Uh, when men lead like God has created and called us to lead, women flourish. Women will flourish. And so as you um, look at us if our wives are not flourishing in our homes, if the women of the Crossing Church are not flourishing, then there's a problem. Something's not right. Something needs to be fixed. There's some sin that needs to be repented of. Jesus, Paul, the rest of the New Testament does more to elevate the position and status of women than anyone else in the first century. In the Greco-Roman world and the Jewish culture, women were essentially cattle. Jesus comes along, has female disciples, scandalous. Paul comes along and says things like, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Hope uh, this building holds up. Scandalous. Like dudes in the first century, the Greco-Roman world were like, I don't have to love her. She's my wife. She just does what I say. And, uh, and so that's what, that's what they did. This is exciting. Um, yeah. <clears throat> there will be and there are women in the Crossing Church who are going to be smarter, who are going to be more gifted in teaching, who are going to be more gifted in administration, more gifted musically than the elders of this church. We, we fully expect that. Like we're, It's not because we're the smartest, we're the most gifted, or blah, blah, blah. Um, but we also expect those women to flourish under the leadership of men, using their gifts to spread the name and fame of Jesus Christ, to build a healthy body of believers. Uh, for the three of us, um, in, in the Crossing Church, women are not relegated to the nursery and the kitchen. That's not your job. It could be your job. could be where you serve. But that's, we want far more for you. We want far more for you to realize and be equipped to do in the Crossing Church. 
Uh, for the three of us, our wives are heavily involved in every decision that we make as a church. So we meet the three of us, and then we go home and talk to our wives. Hey, what do you think of this? Is this a good idea or a bad idea? Like this weekend retreat thing. Like that was fully vetted by our wives. It wasn't just the three dudes coming up with that. Um, in fact, this is, they're so important and vital to our role as, as elders, we're actually going to start bringing the three of them into some of our elders' meetings and hearing from them as we're meeting and deciding and discussing things. I mean, we already do that privately. Let's just recognize their role as a helpmate. All right, Helper in the Old Testament biblical languages is, is someone who completes someone. Something is missing, and this person provides the final piece of the puzzle. We know that's what our wives do. We're lost without them. And so let's bring them into the decision-making processes across the church and uh, hear from them in the midst of, of making these decisions. Uh, but the role of elder, the function of the elder is reserved for men only. The question is, what kind of man? We're going to finally get to the Bible here. 1 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, but not a, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So a uh, few things as we walk through this passage. We're just going to highlight them as we go. They, there is a, someone, an elder is someone who desires to be an elder. So they want this position. Okay, This is not, just so you know, a call to power or to rule with authority. This is a call to serve, sacrifice, give your life for the sake of others. So anybody who sees elder as glamorous, power, prestige, ruling people with an iron fist, you don't get it, you can't be an elder. This is a call to die, to die for a people. This is a call to serve a people, to sacrifice for the sake of a people. And so that's one of the main things, well, God aspires to be an elder, well, why? What are you after? What is your goal? What is your, what is your desires? Uh, much of the pain in this room experienced at the hands of church leadership is because men forgot that or they never had it. They didn't have this desire to lay down their life and serve a people. If we aren't willing to sacrifice and serve you well, if one of our elder candidates is not willing to sacrifice and serve you well, that needs to be brought out because they have no business being an elder if not willing to serve a people and sacrifice for a people. Uh, this person's above reproach. This is not perfection, but there's nothing glaring or obviously sinful about the way he lives his life. We want guys who live in such a way that our membership comes to us and says, have you considered this guy to be an elder? Because he's living it, man. It's real. His walk with Jesus is vibrant and strong. And that's really what we desire. Where it's not necessarily guys coming to us because they're humble enough not to know if they should pursue that, but it's church members who are coming to us saying, look at this guy, right? He's a, a one-woman man, totally devoted to his wife. She is his queen. This is not a, a statement of marital status. So we, we don't believe a, an elder has to be married. We don't believe an elder has never been divorced or only married once. Okay, This is a, a, a spiritual status about his marriage. It's a devotion, a commitment to his wife. He's not flirtatious with other women. He's not pursuing other women emotionally. He is totally devoted to one woman, his wife. She is his queen. 
And uh, he finds all that marriage fulfillment in her. He's temperate, disciplined enough not to be controlled by things. So he's not a glutton. He's not a drunkard. He's not lazy. He's not obsessed with working out. He's not obsessed with eating healthy. He's not obsessed with football or social media. He's, he's not obsessed with any of that. He can indulge in some of that, but it doesn't control him. He can say no to any of that because he's temperate. And he's controlled by the spirit, not by his flesh. He's sensible, prudent, reasonable. There's good judgment. There's wise decisions. He sees himself accurately. And the perception he has of himself is, is in line with how other people see him. Right? He's respectable and honorable. So they treat all people with respect and honor. It's reciprocated. He's hospitable. So he opens his life up to pursue people, those far from God and the people of God. So he can open his home up. It's not that he has to be Martha Stewart, hospitable, put on decorations, all that kind of stuff. But he's opening his life up for people. He's pursuing people in relationship. He's having breakfast, having lunches, having meals with people because he cares for their soul. He longs for them to be close to God. And he wants to be that agent that brings them close to God. He's able to teach, not looking for world-class communicators or world-class scholars or theologians, but he can take the Bible, he can understand it, he can apply it to life, and then teach it to other people that's reproducible in their life. That's as simple as that. He's uh, not addicted to wine. Don't want to open this can of worms this morning, but for an elder, he can't be a drunkard. He can't need alcohol. Okay, He can live without it, but he also knows how to use it wisely. He's not pugnacious, he's not gentle or peaceable, so this is a guy who doesn't love conflict, but will engage in conflict when the situation calls for it. So he's not a fighter, he's not looking for a brawl, but if a wolf shows up, he's going after the wolf. He's going to take the wolf out, right? But with the sheep, with the lambs of God, he's consistently gentle, peaceable, patient, and gracious. Very tough with the wolves, very gentle with the sheep. That's what this person is. He's not a lover of money. Money doesn't control him. He doesn't worry about money, live in anxiety about money. He's able to be generous in giving because money is a tool. God gives it, we use it. No big deal, right? He has money. It's okay to have money, but money doesn't have him. He's a leader of a well-ordered home. The home is the proving ground for elders in the ministry, right? In the home, a man has to lead well, lead his wife well, lead his children well, serve them well, sacrifice for them well. Like when things go awry in my home, I can tell you the problem. I'm being selfish. Because when I give and when I serve my wife and my children, things go well. If a guy can't do that in his home, why would we entrust him to do this in the church? He won't. And so what does his home life look like? Is he proving himself in his home? He's a mature believer. He's not going to be puffed up because he's in this position with conceit and pride, but would continue to see his absolute dependency on the grace of God to, to fulfill this role in the local church. Uh, and he has a good reputation with the outside world. So go to the places he works, he shops, he works out, he eats, he uh, gets his oil changed. Go to the places where he's interacting with all people and ask them, what's this guy like? And you get a consistent message. Everywhere this guy goes, he's the same. He's the same person. He's not this person around these people and a different person around another group of people. It's the same guy. And uh, this consistency to his life. Uh, that's a good summation of who an elder is. Other than teaching, it's all about character. What's interesting about this list is every single Christian is called to live the same exact life. Elders are not spiritual superheroes. Every single one of us are called to live this kind of life. 
This is just a life of consistent Christian living, but done by a man in a local church in a way that the church recognizes and the Holy Spirit calls, this man needs to be a leader in our church because there's a consistency to how he's doing this. Um, So turn over to Acts chapter 20, and we're going to look at two other passages and kind of walk through them briefly. Acts 20 is one passage, and then we'll, we'll flip over to 1 Peter 5. Acts 20, beginning in verse 17. We're going to look at, that's who an elder is, and now let's look at what an elder does. What an elder does. Acts 20, beginning in verse 17. Now, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. We're talking about Paul here. And when they came to him, he said to them, Paul speaking to the elders of Ephesus. Okay, Ephesus is one of the primary churches of Paul's ministry. He spent three years there ministering to them. Uh, he wrote the letters of First and Second Timothy to Timothy, who was the elder of Ephesus. Ephesus is one of the primary, the, of course, the letter of Ephesians went to the church of Ephesus and surrounding churches. So a very important church in his life and his ministry. And uh, he's now about to see these guys for the last time. Um, he's going back to Jerusalem to take up an offering. It's already been prophesied that when he does that, he's, not, he's going to be arrested. So, so as far as Paul knows, he'll never see these guys again. He's only been with them about three years. And look at the depth of emotion and depth of relationship he's already developed with them. You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plot of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks in repentance, of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. That's Paul. I'm going where I know I'm going to be imprisoned and I'm going to be afflicted because the Holy Spirit's calling me to go. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you uh, among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. For I do not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples among them, after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And I'll commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among All those who are sanctified, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down, he prayed with them all, and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. And then flip over to 1 Peter 5, or you can follow along on the screen. 1 Peter 5, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ as well as a partaker of the glory 
in the glory that he's going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, proud, but gives grace to the humble. So from those two passages, three overarching duties, responsibilities of elders. First of all, we lead the flock. We lead the flock. Elders in the book of Acts in the New Testament 20 times are mentioned as a group of leaders in the church. Every time a church was started in the book of Acts, there was men who were appointed as leaders, elders over that flock, over that church. Jesus, before ascending into heaven, gives us a great commission. Part of the great commission is Jesus has been given all authority, and then we go in his name to make disciples teach and baptize all believers, right? We carry out the authority that Jesus has given us. So the only authority that we have as leaders in the church as elders comes from Jesus. We simply are following, helping you follow the one who has all authority, Jesus Christ. Our job is not to rule or dominate, but to serve and to guide. So we're a collection of believers called the Crossing Church in Monroe, Louisiana, uh, put here to carry out the Great Commission in Monroe and beyond. How do we do that? What does that look like? Well, somebody's got to make decisions, right? Somebody's got to... To, to, to take this great commission to make disciples and apply it to the city of Monroe and beyond. And God appoints leaders, shepherds, overseers to help do that in the local church, to make these decisions about how we carry out His commandment to make, go make disciples. So, so we believe someone, uh, a leader, a, a pastor, an elder, is a leader that gives direction, that gives guidance, that, that um, and, and the most biblical position, the most biblical picture of that is not, it's not one guy doing it, It's not a group of people just voting all the time on how to do this. It is a group of men who fit these biblical qualifications, working together as a plurality of elders who help guide and lead the flock. That's the most biblical picture of it that we see in the New Testament. So, the Holy Spirit appoints these leaders. It says in verse 28 of Acts 20, And we feel like me, Scott Kendrick, a little over a year ago, the Holy Spirit began to draw us together to help fulfill this this uh, task for the crossing church. The, cons- the constant question that we're asking as we meet is this. Jesus, this is your church. How do you want to lead us by your spirit to carry out who you call us to be as a church called the crossing church? That's constantly our question. It's not, this is our church. What do we want to do? It's Jesus, this is your church, your bride. What do you want us to do to help lead this bride to become everything you've created and called it to become? <laughs> How do you want us to do this? How can we glorify you, make much of you as a church in the city of Monroe? Holy Spirit, speak to us to make decisions about how to move forward. And so, like we're saying, we're going to meet weekly, possibly uh, starting on the Easter, but it, it might not be. We, we know the Holy Spirit told us to put it off to Easter, but He hasn't told us to start on Easter, meeting weekly. We're going to wait and see, and He'll show us. Um, because it's His decision, it's not ours. So we lead the flock. Secondly, we care for the flock. Again, verse 28 of Acts 20, the shepherds be shepherds of the church of God. You see the same thing in 1 Peter 5. <clears throat> Shepherd the church of God. We encourage, we edify, we give course correction, we coach you up, we cheer you on. 
Sometimes as shepherds, we break your legs and bring you back to the fold because you keep pursuing destructive things. All right, that's also part of being a shepherd. Not literally break your leg, it's metaphorical. It's all part of caring for your soul. We nurture you by praying over you when you're sick, according to James 5. We feed you the word of God to nurture your soul because our words are worthless compared to the word of God. And so we want to give you something that actually gives you life and health and vitality. Um, so there's a nurturing, there's a caring element to our shepherding, to our caring for you. But, but guys, also know this. There's a protective element to our shepherding. Just as a shepherd um, nurtures and cares for the lambs, a shepherd also protects the, the sheep from ravenous wolves who would come in and devour them, from roaring lions who would come in and devour them. So um, we're on guard against wolves. That could be somebody who comes in our church who wants to bring in false teaching. So if we get wind of that, immediately, let's go eat lunch with this guy, this couple, whoever it is. Let's find out what they do believe. Let's find out if they um, are uh, misguided, have been taught wrong, but they're humble and teachable and they're willing to learn. Or let's find out if they know what they believe and they're coming in to be deceptive and destructive. So, so that person's not coming back. You're out. You can't be a part of this church. We, we will be ruthless with the wolves. Just know this. And, and you may say, man, that was kind of mean. Well, if they're a wolf, we need to be mean with them. We're not holding back. It could be somebody who's coming into our flock to, uh, as a businessman. And all the reason he's a part of this is because he wants to grow his business. And it's all about solicitation and building his business. Like, dude, this is not what this is for. If that's really what you're after, if that's the intention of building a relationship with us, you've got to go, man. It could be um, uh, somebody who wants to prey on the children or women of our church sexually. And so we find out about that. He's, he's got to go. Uh, I was in Tacoma in, in, in October and um, heard about um, in the Seattle area. There was actually a group of witches who were going around to the different campuses of Mars Hill. Uh, that was uh, been a strong church. They're going through difficulties now. And the, the witches were going to the elders at the different campuses to pursue the elders and disqualify them from being in ministry. That was their intention. Um, so we're, we're on guard against that kind of stuff. And if we find out that kind of stuff happens in our midst, we're, we're going after it. We're going to be ruthless. But just as ruthless as we are, we'll be gentle and compassionate and patient and gracious with uh, the sheep to give them time and space to grow and mature. And then thirdly, we teach the flock. Verse 32, Paul commends them to God and to the word of His grace. The authority that we have as elders is bound into the authority of the word of God. We are not the authority. Men are not the authority. The Word of God is the authority. Jesus is the authority. We only have authority as we point you to the Word of God, as we point you to Jesus. That's the only authority we have, right? Uh, this was also seen in 1 Timothy 3. There's a, a list of qualifications for overseers, pastors, and then under that is a list of qualifications for deacons. I haven't mentioned deacons. Uh, just a little side note, deacons are one of the two biblical offices, elders, deacons. We're going to have deacons one day in the Crossing Church. What that looks like, we don't know. Acts chapter 6, you didn't have deacons until the need arose. Right now we don't have a need. But when the time comes and the need arises, we're expecting God to provide us leading servants, deacons, who can help serve and oversee ministry in our church. And so um, uh, deacons are coming. We just we don't know yet. The Spirit hasn't shown us who deacons are and what deacons are supposed to be. Um, but uh, deacons and elders have identical qualifications as far as who they are character-wise. The one difference is teaching. Elders are able to teach. Deacons don't have to have that gifting or that ability. 
so we see the, pre- the predominance of teaching among elders. 1 Timothy 5.17, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So this is their primary uh, goal. This is what they're really after. This is what they give their life to, the preaching and teaching of God's word. Acts chapter 6, when they had deacons appointed, why did they have deacons appointed? So that elders wouldn't have to give up their time praying and teaching the word of God to take care of the widows. We need men who can take care of the widows so we can devote ourselves to praying and teaching and preaching the word of God. Uh, Titus chapter 1 verse 9, more qualifications for elders. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as, as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So the biggest reason we want to meet weekly on Sunday is to be able to teach you the word of God weekly. That's like the one thing... Uh, that was keeping us from saying, hold off on it. Because we really look forward to being able to do this weekly as one body, teach the Word of God. Um, An elder has to be able to know the Word, understand the Word, apply the Word, and teach it to others so they can reproduce it. It's the only food we have. So in January, we're going to start walking through a book of the Bible, Colossians. Go ahead and start studying that now. So your heart can be prepared for how God speaks to us through the book of Colossians. After Colossians, it'll be another book. Because we want to walk through books of the Bible. And as I've said before, we don't want to teach you in a way where other people look at what we're doing and they're like, I can't do that. Other guys who God may be calling to be elders in the future or church planners, I don't, I don't know how they're doing that. It's like smoke and mirrors and magic. Um, they have ability, they have knowledge that I can't get. They've been to seminary, I haven't been to seminary, I can't teach the Bible. And we would say, no, that's not how we want to teach. We want to teach with accessibility, where everyone can say, I see that in the Bible. The Holy Spirit shows me that in the Bible. I can then take that and teach that to other people. Because it's not something that only a few people should be able to do. But to some degree, we all need to be able to teach the Bible. So, elders appointed by the Holy Spirit have a way of life that other people can obviously see. They're following Jesus. And if you follow elders in your local church, then you're going to become more like Jesus. That's the idea. Because we're following Jesus. If you follow us, you're going to become more like Jesus. That's where we're leading you to. And we serve that body by leading, shepherding, nurturing, protecting, and teaching the Word. This is what you are to look for in us right now as we're going through this process of elder assessment, elder affirmation. You should be looking for these things in me, Scott, and Kendrick, right? Uh, You should be able to see these things. Are we serving you well? Are we leading the way in sacrifice? Are we loving you well and doing what we believe is good for your soul? Um, you will never, by God's grace, hear us say, well, I don't have to do that, I'm an elder. Just, you have permission to punch us in the face, right then. Just, boom, knock us out. Because we should never say that. That's arrogant and it's prideful. Um, When we call you to do something, are we already engaging in that? Are we leading by example first? Are we constantly pointing you to Jesus? Are we walking in humility and remaining teachable? Are we opening up our lives to you and inviting you in to know us and, and so that you know we're not trying to hide anything. There's no hidden agendas. There's no hidden lifestyle. This is who we are all the time around everybody. Uh, we should live as elders in a way that we can open the book of our life to you. Here's how I spend every dollar. Here's how I use every minute of my time each week. Here's every website that I go look at. Here's everything I watch on TV. Here's every relationship that I'm in. Here's, here's everything about my life. Anybody can look at it. I've got nothing to hide. I'm not, I'm not saying you're going to find perfection, but I'm saying you should find no glaring, obvious, habitual sin that shows sin has dominion in my life because the grace of God is transforming me and changing me. And, um, 
and we're calling other people to live in similar ways. What is your responsibility as a member of the Crossing Church led by a plurality of elders? Three things. Number one, follow our leadership. Follow our leadership. Hebrews 13, 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that will be no advantage to you. So it's, this is what should scare guys to death about ever being an elder. I mean, like, this is what keeps guys from being an elder, because we know we're going to stand and give an account for your souls. And, and that, should, that should scare all of us who are, who are elders or church leaders. That's a very humbling and very overwhelming. It's only by the grace of Christ that we can even show up and do this job every single day. But if we're leading you to love and follow Jesus and be changed by Jesus, if we're leading you to carry out the mission of Jesus, then follow that leadership. Okay? It's okay to do that. Sometimes we're not going to make the right call. Sometimes we're going to have course corrections. And we want to be very open and honest about that. Like on this Sunday morning thing. This is why we feel like this is the right thing. This is why we feel like the Spirit's leading us to do that. We're going to try and be very transparent and talk to you about all these decisions. Um, we want to remain flexible. We want to be able to admit mistakes. We want to be able to admit course corrections. But we also want, to, want you to see there is a way forward. This is where we're going. Right? Here's the path to get there. Here's the steps we're going to take. Uh, we don't want to be wishy-washy. So we're always just, well, let's make it up as we go. Throw darts against the wall. Uh, we've seen that a little bit, but... Uh, we we want to have a plan, and this is where we think the Spirit's leading us. But but to get from here to there, this is one thing we discovered on our on our uh, elders retreat. One thing that we figured out: this is where we want to get. This is who we want to be as a crossing church. Here's where we are. We don't know all the steps to get there, which we feel like is a good thing, because if we knew all the steps, then we just had to carry out our plan. There's gaps and there's a there's a chasm there that only the Holy Spirit's going to be able to to cross as He changes us and, and brings new people and leaders to us. So, but, but here's the next step, and here's the next step, and here's the next step. So, you know, trust us and follow us. Uh, secondly, what's your responsibility? Respect and love your elders. Respect and love your elders. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12-13. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. We want to be the kind of men who love you so well, serve you so well, we take the initiative for your benefit that it's obvious. And it's easy for you to love us in return. It's not difficult. That's who we want to be. We have no hidden agendas. We want to be very open to you so that you can, in love, give us the benefit of the doubt. You know? Because there are going to be, maybe there's times where you're like, what? Maybe it's like this weekend retreat. Are you serious? You want me to sleep on a bunk bed for two nights? Um, and it may be kind of like, you know, how do I do that? Well, just, just give us the benefit of the doubt. Trust us. We think this is going to be a fantastic weekend for the future of this church, for the life of this church in the city of Monroe. Um, it's, it's never in our discussions. What can we do to aggravate everybody? How can we mistreat them? Uh, every decision we make, we believe is for your good, for our good. And so uh, give us a little bit of sway. And if we fail or flop, we'll be the first to take ownership. That's, that's our responsibility. Thirdly, confront biblically. Confront biblically. So follow leadership, respect and love your elders, confront us biblically. Matthew 18, 15 through 16. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. 1 Timothy chapter 5, 19 through 20. 
Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, talking about elders, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. So if you have a problem with something you see in an elder's life, there's a biblical way to handle this. Go to him directly. Okay, this, this would be a good thing because it would show you, reveal to you what kind of man this is. Because if you go to him and say, look, uh, this is what I see. You tell me what you think. And he just bows up and just jumps all over you and gets all defensive and prideful and arrogant, then you know there's a problem. That, that man does not need to be an elder, at least for a season, until he repents. Um, but if he's teachable, if he's gracious, if he's humble, let's look at this, let's examine. There, there could be some things here that I've done wrong. I, I want to repent of those things. Then you've got yourself a good elder. Um, if the elder doesn't take you seriously, then check with some others to see if they see the same thing. Then go back to that elder with two or three witnesses. If they still won't take you seriously, then get the other elders involved. What you don't want to do, if you see something wrong in the elder's life, is just go stir up gossip. right? Stir up dissension. Stir up animosity toward that elder without ever going and talking to them. Um, spreading rumors. If an elder is in sin, if we, that ends up happening one day, because he serves publicly, 1 Timothy 5.20 says, we will admonish him publicly to show this body how serious we take sin. Like, it's, it's very serious. And we want to have continually people who repent of sin. Uh, we received some advice as we were working on our Constitution bylaws that we need to put in a provision that allows the church to dismiss all the elders in case we get really off course. And while we certainly, that can happen, right? None of us are above deception, none of us are above... Uh, getting off the rails on some certain things, our thought was, well, if it's so bad you've got to get rid of all of us, then please walk away from this. This thing is a dumpster fire. Throw another can of gas on it and just take off because it needs to die. It needs to just burn to the ground if we get that off course. Uh, by God's grace, empowered by the Spirit of God, we will lead you well, serve you well, be humble, be lovable, be open, be transparent, communicate. Well, so we're moving forward together as a family of missionary servants. So practically, where are we in this process? We've mentioned how our sending church is going to be involved in assessing us as elders and vetting us. We, we desire to get an outside group because it's not just me, Scott, and Kendrick. We started this so we get to be the elders. That's not the idea. We're, we're meeting biblical qualifications. An outside group is assessing us on that. Uh, what that's going to look like, we don't, we don't know. Um, and if Summit's not able to do it because they're so busy, they're a large church, then we're going to get another local church who knows us to do it for us locally. Uh, we want to be examined. Our wives, our families uh, are part of that. You're part of this. So we, we want to be in life with you. And uh, because we're not in every missional community, we, we've tried to be intentional. We haven't done a great job of this, but I'm saying from this day forward, we're going to do a better job of us as leaders being in other missional communities. Like we're going to make it a priority that over the next several months as we're going through this assessment process, we're showing up when your missional community is showing up doing life together so that you can know us, you can know our families, you can see how we live life, and you can build a relationship with us. And if you see anything glaring, if you see anything obviously troubling, if we don't measure up, if we're not loving our wives well, if we're not fathering our children well, then speak up. Come to one of us. Let, let us know your concerns and let's examine it. Uh, let somebody at Summit know if they're part of that process or whoever's part of that process. Uh, once we walk through this as, as the three of us, if we're confirmed as elders, then from then on we'll handle future elder assessment 
affirmations in-house as, as a local church. But for the first three, we wanted to get an outside church to do that. Uh, similar, uh, the process we take our guys through will be very similar to what other churches do. And we're already asking God, you know, raise up new elders, raise up new leadership. We, we're ready for that. We want that. We don't want guys, we don't want elders just for the sake of having elders, but we want men that the body is recognizing this guy needs to be part of leadership. He's living it. And, and as God sends those guys to us, we're going to bring them on and train them up and send them out. Or train them up and leave them here. Um, uh, how, will, how will we lead the church? We do plan to have some members meetings probably once or twice a year to celebrate and share decisions and directions uh, to, to go over yearly budgets. Uh, we're not shooting for anything beyond that. We, we feel like it's not necessary. We have a budget. We have people who know what to do. Go do it. We don't need to take all this time to vote on stuff every other week or every other month. Um, we're communicating with you throughout the process. We're discussing it with you. We're checking with you. We, we should never get to a point where we're over here leading and you're over here wondering where are those guys at. There's been a breakdown way before if we ever get to that point. And we're communicating constantly to keep that from happening. Happening. We're a church that wants to make much of Jesus and for Jesus to get much glory and honor in our city and beyond our city. Uh, as he transforms us and transforms our city. And the Bible is very clear for a healthy church to do that in a particular geographic location, that healthy church has to have healthy leaders. And the, the most biblical position and picture of that are a group of men called elders. We're not leading against the flock but we're serving you, loving you, sacrificing for you as we guide you and guide us along to become like Christ. What would it look like for us to do that well in the city of Monroe? I mean, what would it look like to have a church with that kind of leadership, humble, serving, loving, and a church membership that is humble, serving, and loving? How many churches are there in our area who see that on a regular basis? How good would it be for the city for them to see that in us? Um, let's go. Let's get there. And knowing how much glory Jesus would get from that, okay? This is really important. Know this. <clears throat> this is where the enemy will attack. The enemy will attack us in our leadership first. Because if the enemy can divide our three families or eventually four families, five families, however many we have, then the enemy can divide this entire church. If he can bring one of us down, if he can build walls between us, if he can create dissension, division, lack of trust amongst us as men or our wives or our families, then he can, he can blow this thing up. It'll be over. So we're doing things intentionally, like our wives got together last night at the Chick to, to meet and drink coffee for a few hours and hang out. <clears throat> we get together often. Sorry, I didn't think that'd be funny. Um, so we're doing things to share life, to be together, so that there is deep relationships and ongoing relationships. But um, we need you to pray for us. We, we need you to go to bat for us so that we're protected from the enemy. So please intercede on our behalf. Please go to the Lord and pray protection over our relationships and our, our bonds. You know, if, if you... This is one thing I learned at Soma School. If, if you ever see your brother and sister in Christ as the enemy, you are in spiritual warfare. That's exactly how the enemy works. He's your brother. He's your family. They're not the enemy. Satan is the enemy. And so pray for us. Pray that those bonds continue to be strong. Let's, let's pray and let's continue to worship. Father, we again are just overwhelmed that we get to do this. That, that you 
would actually call us to do this, that you would empower us to do this, that you would equip us, and that there are actually people showing up and coming, and, and, and that are part of this thing called the Crossing Church. Lord, you know more than anybody how broken we are as men, how much we depend upon the gospel and your grace every day. You know more than anybody how absolute uh, weak we are and how uh, we can just make a mess of our lives, and we need your spirit And so we're thankful that somehow you saw fit to call us to be a part of this. We pray that that our church people see that as we love them and serve them well, that that the the flock called the Crossing Church would see that. Uh, Make it apparent, Lord, when we need to be admonished, then admonish us through your people. Uh, When we need to be encouraged, then encourage us through your people. We ask that you help all of us to pray for protection against the enemy's plans to divide and destroy us. God, that we know that's what he's after. He does not want to see a disciple-making movement happen in the city of Monroe for the glory of Jesus Christ. And so we pray against his work, we pray against his desires, and we ask the Spirit of God to build a bond among your people, among us elders, that is so strong that it shakes hell as we march on the gates of hell. God, let that be us. Let that be the crossing church. Help us to worship you now. Thank you for Jesus that makes all this possible. Help us to make much of him right now, we ask in his name.